Gals. Welcome back to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. I'm Brenna, the podcast producer, and we're so glad you've joined us here today. We're talking all about mission and how to use what you've got for the good of others and the glory of God. We pray this episode encourages and equips you to keep going. Okay, friends, we're here today with our friend Ruth Cho Simons, and I am so excited, honestly, honestly, just honored to sit with her and have this conversation about some fun things that she definitely has going on. Ruth is an author, an artist that I'm excited about talking about that part of your life because I find that I connect so much with that aspect as well. A mom of six boys, right? Six boys. That is just, (laughs) we could talk about that probably all day as well. And also a wife. So and a, probably a really amazing friend. I mean, we met two years ago for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. At Mike Willens, at My Mai's, as, as I call her, Sweet My Mai. <laughs> and I wanted to sit and spend more time with you because your presence alone, honestly, is just so peaceful and settling and grounding. And I'm just so thankful for all that you do here. So Gosh, that means so much to me that, I mean, the respect is mutual and I felt the same way when we met, my friend. (laughs) My goodness. Yeah. So without, you know, further ado, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah. So thank you for that introduction. You know, it's, it's really sweet to hear you give me feedback that my presence seems peaceful because I feel like my whole entire life has been a reorienting of my heart so that I would have the peace of Jesus in my life rather than an aching towards striving. And so when I, when I tell you a little bit more about what I do, it might sound like, look at all these things that she does, but my entire life has been about being grace-oriented, being redirected towards and motivated by the grace of God, which is why I'm the founder of an organization and a business called Grace Laced. And years ago, it's almost been 14 years, I started a blog called Grace Laced, and I wanted to find out how the grace of God actually intersected my daily life because it felt like church was going on over here and all my other aspirations were over here and the, the gospel intersects our daily lives. And so that's where it started. And today, gracelace.com is a e-commerce site where I get to share my artwork and lifestyle products with the world. We ship all over and some products are licensed, some products are manufactured through us. But I am very grateful also to be a published author of several books in this season of my life. And so certainly not an overnight success in any way, <laughs> but in this particular season in my mid-40s, I'm, I have a public ministry and it's been really sweet to be able to live out loud and in front of others, something that's been in process for the last 20, 30 years of my life of walking away from striving and pressing into how to live into what God's called us to, but not by our own strength and our own merit. Yeah, I I love you more. (laughs) Because I don't know if I've ever heard, I personally have ever really heard you articulate exactly what your heart is behind Grace Lace. So I'm sure there are many of our go and tell gals out there who follow you, um, who do, but that's a really great intro into what I want to ask you, which may seem like kind of a silly question, but I'm just going to throw it out there. It's very simple. Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) 
but it's not. I just want to hear what your thoughts are on this. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to back up because I want to, not only what is grace, I want to know two things. What is grace and how have you seen that particularly walked out in your life? Like how have you seen that on display in your life? Yeah. Okay. So this is, you know, you're asking a question so near and dear to my heart. And so, you know, long before grace was a word that you found all over Hobby Lobby on Pretty Facts (laughs) and all those things, grace is favor. And as followers of Jesus, grace is the unmerited favor that's given to us because we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And so when we think of grace, it's not just that little thing that happens on the cross that gave us, you know, invitation to heaven instead of Mm. being cast to hell. It's not just good for salvation. Grace is the entire currency by which we can be in God's presence, understand His love for us, step into that love and live fully in it, and to throw off everything that in all the epistles we learn about putting off all those things that you and I might go, how do I put off anger and malice and gossip and frustration and comparison? All those things that we keep saying we want to put off, but the only way we can put that off and put on Christ is through grace. And so grace isn't just a feeling. It's not just a feeling of like, I'm doing okay, or I'm going to give grace to myself as I'm like, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying there's a lot of ways we use it in our daily vernacular that that I wouldn't say cheapens grace necessarily, but makes grace seem less than it is. But when we sing amazing grace, how, uh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, when we sing those words, it's because you, we actually ret- recognize that without grace, I'd be a lost and hopeless wretch. I would be a person who only digs holes and causes myself to be completely stuck. So by the grace of God, because of God's favor and love for us, we actually get into get to live into the fullness of all that we've been created for. So call it sanctification, call it being made new, but that can't happen apart from the, the agent of change which is the grace of God. And so I, my passion is for women to see how grace intersects their daily life. And that this whole thing, that everything that we strive for, everything that probably made your day hard, made my day hard, made consistency season hard, has something to do with how much we want other people to love us, see us, how much we want to belong, how much we don't want to let people down, how much we want to live into our calling, all these things that we're like, I want, I want, I want. But those things usually have to do with some way in which we think we can acquire favor. And I want women to recognize that favor, the real favor that our hearts are longing for and craving, actually comes by God through the blood of Christ. And so when we access that favor, which is truly through redemption, it takes us out of that Sunday school quick answer, grace is unmerited favor. And Mm -hmm. we're just, you know, like it saves us and we're no longer, you know, counted unrighteous, but righteous. Those are all great Sunday school answers. But the fundamental truth is God created you for the love relationship He desires to have with you. And there's no way to experience that and truly understand that until He showers you with a favor that comes through the life of His Son, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And so I want to break that down for women. And so that's kind of been my goal over the years is how do we direct our eyes away from 
our mundane, endless troubles and concerns and anxieties and set our eyes on Christ? How do we behold Him, as I wrote about in my last book? But when we really behold Him, is it just a feeling or is it that we can access what is true? And what is true is that grace is the change. Grace is the agent of change, the only way by which we will arrive where God wants us to take us. That is so refreshing. Yes, and amen to all of that you just said. I, it, as you were talking at the end, it just makes me think of the passage in the message that talks about, you know, come get away with me, come learn the un, unbridled rhythms of grace. I mean, I literally get chills as I think of it. And just that, isn't it amazing how, I mean, we know this, how the word is alive and active and breathing. And even as I'm speaking that, it brings rest to my soul. <laughs> Almost immediately, it arrests our soul. And that truth that you, you speak of bringing to, you know, all these millions of women, honestly, that you have stewardship over, that when you, we speak those words and we speak those truths as you just did, it, it literally has the power. Grace has the power. Jesus has the power. The Holy Spirit has the power to arrest our weary souls. And so that is beautiful. I want to get to the second part of that question, which is, with that being said, all that you said, how have you seen that unbridled grace work in your life? So for those who are maybe meeting me for the first time through audio here, I am an Asian American immigrant born in Taiwan and raised between two cultures. I was raised in a Chinese American home where so much of my cultural upbringing was very performance-based. Nobody tried to make it performance-based. Nobody said, we hear measure by the report cards you bring home. But there was just a sense of how are you a model model daughter? Are you getting good grades? Are you practicing the piano? Mm. How well are you doing everything? Are you number one over and over? And here's the thing. I lived in the conflict of constantly feeling like I was never able to measure up, that I had to really get things right and make sure that I did things just right before my mom and dad felt like I was worthy of conversing about certain things. And I write about that in my next book. But think about how that translates to our relationship with God. How easy is it for us to think we have to go accomplish this mission for Him before He really wants to sit with us and, and before we can pour our hearts out to Him? And on a daily basis, how easy it is for us to be like, I said I was going to really study the, you know, study the minor prophets this year, and I didn't. And he must be so disappointed in me and I'm so shallow and I'm not reading my Bible as much as, so I'm going to get things cleaned up before I come to him. We don't say those things out loud, but we act like it. Sometimes even as mature believers, we can fall into the sense of like wanting to earn our favor with God or wanting to prove that we're running fiercely and being amazing, doing amazing things for God when really what he's rescued us to first and foremost is surrender repentance, intimacy, and communion mm, with Him. And yes. so in my own life, well, I think what I've seen is that I, you know, whether you want to look at Enneagram numbers or not, I'm sure I have a whole <laughs> we lot. We do. Of, I always do. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm sure. And I, I've never, I'm not super good with Enneagrams and I really haven't taken the time, but I'm sure I have a whole big three somewhere in there. Right? I'm a whole a I'm performer a, great, a little I'm a great bit. Big, but yeah. yeah, I'm a great big. Um, perfectionist, achiever. You can't really run a company without being a little bit driven that way. 
And there's a whole lot of me that wants to bring my really great track record or all my achievements or, but look at this, look how I compare to somebody else before a holy God would really, he's just like, that's all worthless. Bring me you, the raw, um, weary and surrendered you and the grace of God will be your covering. And so in my life, that's actually, you know, when you talk about my artwork, I would say, there was a time in my life early on when I probably couldn't serve the Lord or serve in any way with my giftings because it was always about me. It was yeah. always about me trying to like find a place in the world, like impact the world, you know, kind of lead somewhere in the world. And when I was able to let that go and say, it's all yours, God, it really isn't about me. I've got nothing so astounding and amazing to bring. It's the amazing grace of God that's the only thing amazing that I can bring to the table. It's in that shift that I was actually given all the freedom to use every one of my giftings. And so I think sometimes women, we put the cart before the horse, right? We're just like, what are, let's count up what my strengths are, what my giftings are. So we either walk out really confident with all yeah. the things that we're good at, or we go, uh, I'm too, I can't really do anything because I'm not good at anything. But neither are true. The reality is Paul tells us, strength and weakness, right? It's We boast in our weaknesses. And so the more you can hide your life in the grace of God, the more you get freed up to see that everything, even your weakest, most unperfected giftings are to be used and can be used and will be used for God's glory. And that's the biggest change that's happened in my life is that I might be a writer, I might be an artist, I might be good, good at a few things, but none of those things saw any fruit it actually, they only felt like burdens wow. and they felt like, they felt like obligations. And I was stressed out about my giftings until I was freed by the grace of God. Wow. That's really powerful, Ruth, because there's so many different thoughts I have listening to your response, but I just keep thinking about how, you know, I think I've been there. As a matter of fact, I might be there right now. You know, when you talk about looking at your giftings and trying to figure out how that fits into what your idea of what your mission looks like or whatever the call of your life is from God. But when you step back from that and you just kind of offer all of it yourself, not just what you think you're good at, but all of yourself to him, that's where his grace steps in and shows you just how much you've been limiting. Is that, am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. And if you think about it, Grace is God's gift to us. And so we're all so busy trying to give God the gift of us. Mm, Wow. You just said the gift of us. My goodness. Yeah. I think that's what stresses and wears us all out, right? We get up in the morning, we check Instagram, we're looking at how everybody's using their gifts and we're going, even with some heart that wants to love the Lord, we're like, like, let me give the gift of me. How do I use me and everything? When really God's like, chill, girl. I've got a <laughs> gift for you. Yeah, I have so a good. gift for you. And so we're, we're, so, we're so silly because we spend all our time spinning our wheels trying to give him the gift of us when really he's like, I lead here. I lead. I'm giving the gift that I have for you, which is grace alone. And so when we say by grace alone, literally Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you know, yes. by faith through grace, like we only have grace. So everything else It's just God using all that he's ordained for us to make much of him 
through us. So we can, we can sit and not like sit back and just wait, but we can sit in, in rest, go, okay, what do I get to do today? How do I get to use my giftings? If it doesn't belong to me, if it's not about me, and I'm starting from the place of receiving the gift rather than trying to give the gift, there's a lot of power in that. Oh, I mean, I feel like we can mic drop this because do we really need to hear anything else? No, I, you just literally preached an entire sermon. And before we started recording, you said today that this is likely going to be a moment for us where we'll need something that's said. This is the moment that we need. This is the space that we need. I will say that that is the word that I needed. <laughs> you can keep that on record <laughs> or not, but thank you for sharing. Thank you for just being who you are. I think... I want to step, pivot a little bit, just a little bit. It's just beautiful to see, number one, I think how much it is so obvious to me that the hand of God has truly touched, affected, changed, transformed your life. And how much because of that, you out of the overflow are just giving, again, out of that space that God has given you and where he's graced you (laughs) to be. But you have a new book coming out. And I want to talk about that new book because I do have your others. And this one is a little different. It is different. Yes. And, you know, I'm both excited and maybe a little bit nervous because for the first time, this book is 50,000 plus of words and not primarily leading with artwork. You know, for years, I've been writing what I believe to be dense content. I'm trying to squeeze as much as much it po- as possible in small, short readings, but they were still devotional in nature. And I really wanted to serve that up on a silver platter of artwork. So I use the visual and the aesthetics, which you and I relate to one another, about the beauty and the welcome of aesthetics, right? I use the beauty of artwork to be a silver platter to invite people to the table of this conversation about grace, about our identities in Christ, about how to walk with Him, about the gospel. But for the first time, I really wanted an opportunity to really not only just share my story in the context of how I came to this very thing we're talking about, how I came to be transformed by grace, but also to help and give this generation of women a fresh outlook on this concept of redeeming grace. What are the benefits of grace? Why are they? Why is it so great that the Apostle Paul would spend so many books of the Bible talking about the grace of God. Is it just this feel-good thing where we can just like smooth it over each other and be like grace, grace, (laughs) grace upon grace? Those are all great things to not only say and to believe in, to hang our hats on, but why are we so tired? I mean, we're looking at one another and we can acknowledge— truly through body language, that we are sometimes really tired. And why are we so tired in reaching for shelves and shelves and shelves of self-help books? Why are we all looking for the newest strategy to be the best version of ourselves, to be an improved version? How are we even trying to have the best strategy to live the ultimate Christian life that will not waste your life? Why are we all constantly doing that? If the scriptures really tell us that the new creation that he's made us to become is through the grace of God. How does that even work? So are we really thinking grace is as amazing as it is if we keep over and over reaching for self-betterment plans? 
So the book is called When Striving Cease. I've got an arc here, but um, it's called When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And I walk through really untold stories. I've I've never told the story of coming to America of learning English, what it felt like to look for belonging when my parents packed fried rice in used up yogurt containers for lunch when everybody else took American cheese and bologna sandwiches. Like I I tell the story of how much we all look for belonging and why we're striving so hard and ultimately how belonging in Christ, favor in Christ will change everything. And so um, I can't wait to share the book with all your listeners, as well as just the women of this generation to potentially see for the first time that the grace of God is as amazing as that hymn says it is. And that we need to stop acting like, gosh, we can trust God's grace to save us, but we got to work on our own to, to sustain us. That's not true at all. Grace will carry us all the way to the end. Hey friends, it's Brenna here. I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a favor. Would you head to your podcast app and leave us a review? This helps other gals find the show and it also helps us to know exactly what you'd like to hear. Plus, if you leave a review between now and the end of June, you'll have a chance to win some brand new Breaking Free from Body Shame merch to help you keep running on mission. Check out the show notes for all the details. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's get back to this conversation. I have so many questions and I can't ask you all of them, but I'm going to stick with two that are in my head right now. And one of them is, first of all, I can't wait for this release. I am the most excited about reading this story and about seeing how lives are going to be truly transformed and changed through it. But I did want to say that I am so curious because, you know, again, going back to how I opened the question up, this book is different, right? And how did it feel, you know, letting go, if you will, of what was to step into what God was calling you into, which is something new. And we can all, I mean, you talk about mission and we talk about what we think we know about God and what we think we know we're supposed to do. And then here we are in the middle of this intersection where God's like, no, I want you to go right, not left anymore. Tell me about that. What was that like? I love that you're asking this question. I don't think anybody's actually asked me this. And I love it because we're on the same wavelength. I got to tell you, It is so easy to stay in a lane where you're succeeding. It is so easy to never take risks and go, you know what? I'm I'm getting accolades for this. I'm award-winning in the style of work that I'm doing. Whatever it is, if it's easy and it's comfortable and everybody likes you, it's really easy to stay there. But is that really, you got to look at your whys for, I mean, I am not here to make everybody happy and I'm not here to decorate your house with books. I'm not here to do anything but to carry out the mission of making my one little life count to direct other people's eyes towards something way more beautiful than the work that I create. So I will still have full color books come out, but I just knew that at this intersection, the greatest stewardship of my giftings was to not only tell stories that are short and sweet and able to bring people in in that moment, but to give them the messy, difficult, long journey 
of God's grace taking over my life. And that meant that I had to step out of my comfort zone. That meant that I had to tell stories that I'm not necessarily super comfortable telling. That meant that I had to expose areas of my life that were probably difficult to expose. And I could not lean on those beautiful full color watercolors that make people linger long on the page. They feel good. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. And I and that's not what you're going to get in this book. It's there's still some artwork that I I drew, but it's not the same. And and so here, what it was was ultimately stepping out in trust and saying whether the crowds approve or not, whether the bestseller lists say yay, we applaud you or not. Regardless of what the sales do, what the industry says, I must. Because, you know, here's the thing. I, 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 I'm, I'm weird and morbid about this sometimes. And I think I said this <laughs> at a gathering one time. But I constantly make my decisions based on if I had only a week to live, what is the legacy I want to leave? And I want to be living my last day, whatever day that is, 20, 30 years from now, 60 years from now, well, that would be crazy. But, you know, whatever it is, it, whatever it is, I want to be caught in my last days doing whatever I believe is going to be leaving a true legacy. So for some, that might be doing, I, I, just, I just mean my choice doesn't mean that that's somebody else's right. choice. My point just being you have to be obedient right where you are. And should you not have anything but tomorrow, be in the middle of doing exactly what you want to bring God glory in that moment. And so for me, that was being brave and saying, I'm going to tell this story that grace is not just some slogan that I use for my business, that it's life-changing. For once, I'm going to back this this message with my own story. I'm not going to back it with illustrations. I'm going to back it with my life illustration. And that was hard. And I'm prayerfully just offering it this October to whoever will read it. I am so proud of you. Honestly, I think anytime any of us are are able to kind of step into the obedience, honestly, and do something that doesn't necessarily feel great at the time, but we know that there's a great reward on the other end, as in it's probably not always going to be a tangible reward, you know, but the reward is that we know that we are nurturing, I guess, for lack of a better word, our relationship with the one who created us and who has given us all the grace and all the gifts. So, oh man, I am thinking you kind of answered my second question about the book specifically, which was, you know, as a person of color um, myself, and I'm really curious about how sometimes, especially in the church, it can feel like you're getting responses that are not really recognizing or validating the pain. And so I think this is probably not going to be a question. It's more of just a conversation here. But I'm really interested because I know you've done it so well in seeing how you validate the pain yourself of your own pain, but also recognize there's something bigger and greater. Because I think it's a really sometimes a really hard line to walk. Do you, does that make sense? You know, yep, where you're, you're sharing your story and someone's like, oh, well, you know, God's faithful. And I mean, we call it, I guess the term now is spiritually bypassing. So <laughs> I'm really excited about seeing how God led you through walking delicately through that to really bring out what's 
more important, not more important, but what's bigger here? Sure. You know, this, the book and the story that I'm telling is doubly painful in that it, it uncovers some dysfunctions in my own immediate family, some things that, you know, my parents are still alive. They're a work in progress. Our family worked through a lot of things that not everything's detailed, but as you can imagine, we, we work through a lot of cultural identity things that impact everything else. But then the other side of it is the lack of belonging or the foreignerness that I experienced being an immigrant, right? Coming as an Asian American who didn't even learn English until I was like fully like five or six years old did I even start really speaking English, you know? I mean, those difficulties, I, I do share some of that. But what I think I have longed to do and I think is the bridge that really helps us all find that we're more alike than we are different is to point to the fact that no matter what pain and what experiences we've had, we can put into the put it into the context of what is the larger overall issue that we all face. We all we all sometimes hurt people out of our own desire to belong, our own desire to be strong and first and best. And so if you think about it, everything kind of falls in to the category. It is not fully, it's not truly spiritually bypassing if you're pointing to the truth while acknowledging the pain, right? Let's not, let's not skip over the pain part. But the reality is sin is a problem. It is the problem. Christ and our hope in Christ and eternal treasure is the remedy. And somewhere in there, God shows us how all that amazingness that we think we want to lead and we put other people down, we lift ourselves up, all that at the end of the day is really about us forfeiting and missing the whole part where Jesus wants to be that for us. So we try to gain it on our own and that's how we cause pain in others. Some of the stories I tell of how I felt like an outsider, that's not me saying, gosh, look at how everybody owes me. That's me saying, look at how we all fall into this. Because quite frankly, the more you engage and embrace grace, the more you realize, oh my goodness, I, sinner like me, I'm the one, I'm the one. It doesn't mean that I am excusing somebody else's wrongdoing. It's that we all need grace and we start by needing the grace of God. And there's no one no one as perfect as Jesus, and yet he bore all of our foolishness and made it possible for us to have that ultimate favor with God. And so, you know, when I look at the stories that I tell, I didn't, when I wrote it, I didn't realize it was going to come in a time where there'd be this much racial pain. I didn't know that there would be so much angst and sadness and tension and the, the back of my neck sometimes has knots in it and I, and I want to steward it well. But here's where you and I can have hope is that not through this book, not through this conversation, not through any, we don't have to, we do not have to fix the world with one offering. We are just, we do not have to bear the whole burden of explaining every truth, fixing everything. I don't have to convince everybody in the world to understand my perspective, I just need to set out the invitation to say, I'm willing to have the conversation if you want to join me, right? I don't have to fix everybody. I just need to say, I'm vulnerable enough to share my story. Why don't you go too? And when we do that and we both point to Jesus, 
then we get somewhere with reconciliation. We get somewhere with hope, right? Yeah, it is not. I think maybe about a year, a year and a half ago, I would say it came by the Holy Spirit, but I just had this moment of revelation where I was like, wait, it is not my job to convince or convict. (laughs) It's just not. It is not my job to convince or convict. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. That is a weight that I do not want to carry. So just like you're saying, I can absolutely offer truth. I can offer my story and I can invite you into the conversation, but I do not have to convince Mm -hmm. or convince. I can't convict you. That's definitely the Holy Spirit. So I'm with you 100%. I think that I could probably sit and talk with you for about 50,000 hours. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, virtual coffee sometime, please. For sure. One thing that we always want to make sure that we ask for any of our guests, which actually I feel like saying guests to you is just like so plastic. I just want to call you a friend. You're not a guest. You are a friend in this space and maybe even family. But how can we support you in this season? How can we be praying for you? How can we come alongside you here? Wow. That is such an honor to be asked that question. I think more than anything, you have really done it, even in this conversation. I have want so much to be seen for the full giftings that I offer through Jesus and not be compartmentalized as the artist or the Asian girl, or, you know, I don't, I think that we all have opportunities to live in the fullness of every aspect of who God made us to be. And because of the way we categorize on social media or in the industry, it's really easy to label somebody as good at one thing when really let's stop talking about what she's good at and say, where is she being obedient in? And so I so covet and desire prayers for this next season where even in my, you know, some women are incredibly gifted public speakers. I am, I raised my six boys in the last, (laughs) you know, 20 years of my life. I've not been in front of microphones my whole life. And so, you know, even for those of us who feel inept to be the spokesperson for a message, I long to step into it and say, you know what, I'm going to do it boldly. And I'm the only person who can tell my story. So I'm going to do it. And thank you for acknowledging, giving me an opportunity to share that. And I love talking about watercolor, but I feel that, <laughs> you know, I love talking about that. And I, and I am an yeah, artist, yeah. but I have, but there's so much more in my heart to give. And so I'm really grateful to be seen for more than... Than just the watercolor girl. Yes, or for being somebody who speaks <laughs> about, you know, Asian American experience. You know, that, that, I'm, that yeah. I'm so grateful to be a leader for being a leader in the content, not the leader in a certain category. So I'm really grateful for that. And I just really long to be a part of a, a movement and a generation of women who can spur one another on in fullness, not categorically. yeah. We'll be praying into that and leaning into that with you. You are indeed, and I don't say this tritely or cheesy, but you are a blessing. I know we kind of throw that word around a lot, but I really, really, really mean that today. And I know that the women who, or some of the men probably, who listen to this are going to be extremely blessed by your heart and your words. I am thankful. We are thankful. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, ladies. Guest 
gals, we loved getting to share this conversation with you. If you need anything from the Go and Tell Gals community, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at goandtellgals.com and it would be our joy to help. We pray you have a great week. God is mighty in you.